0: Being prepared is all about having the right tools. The OnX off-road map and navigation app is the best fully functional GPS when you're out of service. Offline maps allow you to access all interactive land and trail data and custom map markups when you're out of service. Your phone's internal GPS gives you full navigation capabilities offline so you'll always know where you are and how to get home safely. Go to onxmaps.com and use code MeatEater to get 20% off your membership today. There's nothing like snook hook sets at dawn or catching a tarpon in the moonlight. Find your next fishing trip made easy on fishingbooker.com and experience the magic of the Sunshine State or any other destination on your fishing bucket list. Book a blue water adventure in search of sailfish or go snapper fishing with the kids. Montana Casting Company is a performance fly rod and reel company based right here in our capital, Helena, Montana. Each model of fly rod is a tribute to Montana's rugged beauty and adventurous spirit. Their rods capture the look, feel, and craftsmanship of a custom-built fly rod. Scott personally calls every customer Who buys one of his rods? Head to montanacastingcode.com and use code MeatEater20 at checkout for a one time 20% off discount. This is the Meat Eater Podcast coming at you shirtless, severely bug bitten, and in my case, underwearless. The Meat Eater Podcast. Can't predict anything. Presented by First Light, creating proven versatile hunting apparel from merino base layers to technical outerwear for every hunt. First Light, go farther, stay longer. All right, everybody, we are excited to announce that we have identified our next opportunity to ensure more access to hunting and fishing. This year, we are partnering with the Trust for Public Lands to support. The Montana Great Outdoors Project. If you remember last time we did something all the way across the country over in Maine, but this time we're doing it in Montana, the Montana Great Outdoors Project. This project consists of a series of permanent easements across 114,000 acres of timber company land. These easements will prevent development and ensure continued access to hunting and fishing in perpetuity. Getting these easements in place not only provides direct access to 114,000 acres of private property, but increased access to the existing public lands that surround the area. So there you have it. That's what the 2022 Meat Eater Land Access Initiative Funds are going to Corinna, to start off, uh, how, how was getting your first um, your first wild hog?
1: Oh, it was fantastic. Uh, it was fast. It was fast. It was unexpected because we headed out with the intent of Joe hunting Neil guy and you guys getting some white tail. And the first thing that we saw were a couple of pigs and you're like, grab the rifle, let's go. So, how far were we? Was from the road to the pigs, couple hundred I don't know, yeah. yards, and you took off, and I just followed you, and we were trying to get close enough to them and out of
0: downwind. Wind, di-
1: downwind, yeah. yep. And then you said we probably got to about a hundred yards. You set up those stick that stick tripod for me, and uh, you're making sure that I. Saw the largest one in my sights, which was a a black one. I think there was like a a pink, two pinks. I think there were three all together. anything
0: being pink, grin.
1: White, tan, red. I didn't see a red tan. Pink.
0: The pink pig. That's kind of a bit.
1: I mean, a neutral color. I don't know. I I thought lighter. Oh, pink. <laughs> pink. Yeah. It wasn't the pink one that uh we were scoping out. So there's this larger black one. And it looked from that distance huge because everything seems to look really, really large when you're far away from it. But I think you maybe thought I was going to take a little bit more time to set up because you were still talking to me. And I'm like, no, no, no. Like I'm going to shoot. And you're still talking to me. I'm like, I'm going to shoot. And then it was quartered away from me. And uh, I was a little shaky on the on the tripod, but I just I shot and you know when you hear that like <sighs> so I knew I hit it. My um, father
0: described it as hitting a pumpkin with a bat. Hmm. That was his noise for okay. whenever he was okay. telling you how good, with, <laughs> how good he hit something with something with his bow. Can That's what the
1: sound that. was. <laughs> uh but I I made a mistake and that I didn't continue to look through the scope i raised my head and i didn't automatically rack another one so for the future i mean that's just always something that i should remember when you shoot yeah, once you know just you know because it might not be dead and in this case that pig wasn't dead and he ran off i panicked a little bit couldn't get off another shot because i had did i had done uh, made some little mistakes right after and uh we took off trying to find him, and you were preparing me for the fact that we really might not find him because he he ran off. Kind of, I knew that he was hit, but I didn't know how injured he really was. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then we kind of got to the end. Uh, we got to the the start of the tree line, and like ten yards in, there he was. Yeah, and that was it. But he wasn't. Yeah.
0: Well, you you were all tore up about it, but let me point this out to you. Had you had you shot? Mm-hmm. And I had said, okay, we're just going to wait 10 minutes mm. and then we'll go check, f- right? You'd have gone over and he been laying there dead. Right. It's just that you got over there quick enough to see what was, you witnessed what you have to, which is always going to happen anyway. Right, like
1: a process of,
0: You just yeah. happened to witness it happen, and then he felt bad about it, but you would never, you wouldn't have known if you hadn't have been there. Right, that's right. Like it was mortally wounded and it died. Right.
1: And it was maybe like a minute or two the, later. Short of hitting it through the there.
0: brain, you know.
1: That's the that's the process. Yeah, it was just hard to see my little zodiac Chinese zodiac spirit animal like you know. that.
0: <laughs> but you're gonna do a bunch of Chinese stuff with it.
1: I I would love to do some. Because
0: uh, you're not gonna do Jewish stuff with
1: it. <laughs> An old Jewish hog recipe. <laughs> <laughs> that that's that's right uh, um here's how the rabbi
0: is talking to cook yeah, wild right. hog
1: no i would love to try to do a little bit of uh char shoe, which is like the roast roast pork um unfortunately it oftentimes when you see it in restaurants uh it's got that horrible red food coloring dye around oh, it. Which I yeah. will not not do. Um but so it's
0: just I'll salt just saltpeter, is that what they're putting in there? No, it's red food. Coloring. Yeah, it's just like oh, FD&C they, die, they, they red. like no shit, just dye yeah. red. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I hadn't thought about that too much. Yeah.
1: Um I actually I'll probably maybe I'll ask you, Jesse, or ask uh one of my Chinese chef friends, the best way to do that. Cause I've ever, I've never made something like that.
0: When you're cooking at home, let's say you make 10 meals. How, how many of them are sort of like somewhat informed by Chinese cooking?
1: Um, probably a fair amount. Um, I wouldn't call me myself like great in the kitchen, but I grew up on just real simple stir fries that my mom made. So it would always be steamed rice um there would always be some kind of vegetable typically a chinese vegetable stir fry you know onions garlic and either like a bok choy or like napa cabbage um any kind of chinese leafy green or or um like sauteed string beans and then a protein often pork or beef sometimes chicken but um, my mom and it's just like really that standard marinade of like soy Chinese cooking wine a little bit of cornstarch maybe a little bit of oyster sauce Um, what am I forgetting sometimes maybe like a five spice powder in that some sesame oil and you just leave that for a short amount of time to mm-hmm. a longer amount of time to overnight, you know, um, and then just kind of like high heat in a wok, and that's what I ate almost all the time. Is that right? Yeah.
0: So the Chinese don't call Chinese five spice powder Chinese five I, spice powder. They, they, they call they call five so. spice powder.
1: Yeah, right, right. They probably just call it five spice powder. Um, but yeah, so a fair amount of stuff that I cook at home is just like a is a stir fry. So. The wild game that I have in the fri- in the freezers is not really ground like last year with my deer and this year with my deer, I didn't grind a bit of it um because I'll just do all the different cuts kind of in a stir fry and a braise. Mm-hmm. I've got nothing against sausage and burger. I love it, but I just I just don't really grind and it's not that Asian cooking doesn't incorporate like ground meat, but I just haven't haven't gone in that direction yeah. Got it,
0: yeah. Also joined by Jesse Griffiths and uh, Mr. Joe Rogan. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> what uh um, what are your impressions of uh of what are your impressions of of hanging out down here, Joe? This is my first time doing
2: like a real Texas hunting ranch experience. Cause uh-huh. Everybody tells you it's like I've been here I've li- living here for two years and everyone's like, have you hunted in Texas yet? Have you-? So now I can finally say I have. And uh, it's very interesting. It's like yeah. seeing all these exotic animals in this enormous ranch. It's it's really cool. It's really cool and uh the coolest by far was the rattling in of the white tails yeah that's the coolest thing ever that is the coolest thing ever the way it works so well it's uh, it's bonkers like I've, I've never seen a thing work so well
0: yeah everything kind of works like, yeah don't you wish like all well i guess if all game calling worked like that all the time there wouldn't be any game
2: right <laughs> <laughs> especially if you had a rifle <laughs> i mean if imagine if like elk calling was that effective yeah, just like, be like
0: Wa- watch yeah. oh, what is <laughs> we're just going to sit here
2: I saw an elk we're just going to sit here I'm going to make a noise and they're going to come running they come running for the folks who have never done this before Steve was rattling and within 15 seconds sometimes yeah. deer are coming in full clip and the one deer the biggest deer that we saw was uh, at the end of the day uh, on Tuesday this guy comes running in in a full sprint and he was a big sucker he saw you and he's like, Not today. And he came running out. So I had him at 16 yards and I had no shot. I couldn't get him to slow down. I was going, Mrap, Mrap, Mrap. It's like, No, no, no. Just like YouTube. Yeah. Just
0: like every white tail to shot on YouTube, you go, Mrap.
2: Well, every white tail to shot on YouTube, you know, it's usually under a stand and they're walking and someone yeah. says, Mrap. And they look, What is that? Yeah. And and he's already like there. half paranoid yeah. as shit, you know, and you're just yeah. trying to slow
0: him down. Uh, for, um, The first time I came down to this place was Jesse introduced. Jesse's friends with the guy that owns the place, or it's not fair to say he owns it. Jesse's friends with the guy who's part of the family that owns the place, and we came down to we were doing some other Texas shit, and came and wanted to hunt Nilgai. And there's an outfitter that works here, so we went out with one of the outfitters, um, to hunt Nilgai and had a great time. And there was a lot of Nilgai back then. But we were dicking around now, and then, like, like Giannis had picked up a set of sheds or something or another, and had on a couple occasions just rattled off next to the truck and got some interest. And one time we were laughing because he was rattling, he rattled in a buck that already knew we were there. <laughs> like, the buck's like, oh, there's some dudes in the truck. And yeah, he rattles and he just starts coming a little ways. And then I got the idea, man, we got to come back here and try to rattle deer. And eventually, uh, we're allowed to come back, kind of, you know, do our own thing a little bit and came back and did it, but it wasn't like it is. Like, I I feel like it was the, the, I feel like there's no way it could be better. Like there's, if there's a day in the year or two days in the year that are going to be good, like how could it get better than it was?
2: Right. We made a pact to come back last night. Yeah. (laughs) Like this time, this time next year, this is the time. It's like, you know, you got that, september what is it, it's probably like september 16th for like the elk rut there's like this time where everything just goes haywire and if you are lucky and you're in the woods during that time it gets nuts yeah and if, if i felt like december 14 like whatever that day was like what, it, it was just
0: lined up perfectly we were we were setting up and having uh Two, three of them come. Yeah.
2: Ones we did, had no idea were in the area. We're just storming in.
0: Full balls running.
2: When I got that one buck, the, the first buck, and then that was the third buck that came in inside of five minutes. Mm-hmm. Like we, we, we decided to try again because the two bucks came in and one was real close and another big one came just running right past us and uh we were like well i guess we blew these guys out of here and we were like well let's just give it another couple of minutes and then before you know it another guy shows up we
0: kept it kept not working because it was working too good (laughs) yeah like you you kind of think that his ass is gonna come and like stop 30 40 yards out but they don't stop till they're in you you almost
2: have to be at full draw when you're done rattling you almost have to like (laughs) rattle for like 30 seconds and then go go ahead and then just hold full
0: draw you know like
2: with like a modern bow you can kind of hold full draw for a couple minutes
0: i think if you're really gonna get serious about it it'd be like an 870 with buckshot
2: yes (laughs) yes yeah because there were so many times they were coming
0: in behind us to the side of us Mm -hmm. and we kept trying to game it we'll be like okay well that one clearly wanted to be downwind. Yeah. So you go downwind, and then he'd go downwind, and I'd rattle, and then it'd be like, in my face. And then the next one is whatever. Well, the one that we rattled in that was over near the
2: lake, that was pretty wild. Because he was on the whole other side of that pond, and he heard us, and you just see him running from hundreds of yards away. Mm -hmm. And he did a full circle to get downwind of us. And it was pretty quick.
0: And then he was like... (laughs) i don't like it <laughs> yeah and it's like uh the place gets hunted for sure because there's an outfitter that has exclu- like an exclusive for outfitted stuff and then the family has friends and people that hunt it but I don't, no one hunts it like that because it's kind of like a safari style hunting no blinds no feeders well when we went out right. joe so joe was talking to one of the guides and We'd uh, the question was basically how many times have guys bow hunted and he says never and Joe's like no I mean like ever never, They'd never had, he'd never had the guy the guides had never had an archery client so I think that like a way it's, so it's, it's not that it doesn't get hunted because it gets hunted but it doesn't get hunted like that so I don't think they're hearing like here I don't think they're hearing that yeah, and also, I think
2: probably when the deer don't hear gunshots, maybe they stay a little more calm because, like, no one's getting killed. Because mm. they probably associate boom with danger and death, yep. but there's never a boom while we're here. So maybe they're, like, a little bit more relaxed.
0: Yeah. Uh, the There's a guy, there's a cowboy out here that runs cattle. I don't know if you call him a cowboy. I guess you wouldn't call him a cowboy. The guy that runs cattle? I think so. He said, uh, he had a good way of expressing it. He said, um, they're coming to horns. (laughs) Which I thought was a good way of putting it with rattling. They're coming to horns. It works.
2: Mm. It's the most fun way to hunt ever, I think. It is. Because it's so exciting. Like, where are they coming from? Like, they're running in.
0: Yeah. I've never, you know, I have never, ever, ever, seen anything like that
2: i wonder if it's particular to this area
0: i i think that that's that's a yeah i think it is i, I got a friend in south carolina i shouldn't even say that's it, what state he lives in because he does it on, he does it on public ground uh south carolina is a big place i got a friend in south carolina they that's how they hunt man um that's how they hunt deer they climb up in a tree stand and they rattle and they really consistently kill bucks mm. on public land rattling hard to hunt because in his view up until this very moment in his view people aren't doing it Mm. in this area he goes okay he's like in he's in public swamp land he's like people aren't doing it
2: they probably just don't know
0: so deer are edgy they're jumpy but they're not hearing that and when they hear that it means one thing to them but i've no because you know I've rattled in a couple deer, like in Montana, I've rattled in a couple deer after a lot of attempts where I know they're hearing it. And it could be that for whatever reason, it could be that they don't want to get killed and they're thinking that that, they're always on their mind is like that, which I wonder about, that like associate that sound with danger or they don't give a shit. And that used to be a thing I I used to think with elk calling. Like anytime you couldn't call in an elk, I was like, He thinks it's people, you know? And Phelps, he's like, I don't think he thinks it's people. I think he's not interested. He's not interested. It's not that he's like, there's a lot of times, sure, there might be times when he thinks it's people, but there's a lot of times he's just not gonna come anyway. And this book, uh, there's this book, The 10th Legion by Colonel Tom Kelly, about turkeys. And he talks about that same thing. He always thought when when a Tom won't come, it's because he's afraid of getting killed and thinks it's a person. But then one day, he describes watching a tom. He's, he's watching a bunch of hens. And he's watching a tom cruising along. And the hens are doing all the shit that he would do to try to call in a tom. They're doing the calling. They're doing everything. And he said the tom never gave a shit, never lifted its head up. And it's like it's real hens, a real tom. Hmm. And some things just don't give a shit. So whatever it is with the age demographics— I don't know. Pressure. What's that? Pressure on deer here is minimal. Oh, because people are hunting the exotics. They're hunting no guy. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. But you you remove, like, whatever it is, they're not thinking they're going to get killed. But I'm saying even in the absence of the thought that you're going to get killed, there's probably times when they don't hear two bucks fighting and think they need to come running over. Right. Because of whatever shit. He's like, like I, I don't really know what goes into. it. I don't know why they're so like why these particular deer in this particular spot are so fired up about two bucks fighting.
2: It's really interesting to see the difference in the behavior of the animals when you look at the animals that are hunted the most. There's all these animals that are living together, but the animals that are hunted the most are clearly the ones that behave differently when they see people. Yeah. Like the Neil guy, for sure, the most spooky. They're the most spooky. The least spooky is probably the javelina. They're the least spooky. They're they're like basically not interested in you for the most part. You're not going to pick them up. <laughs> yeah, you're not going to pick them up, but they're the least scared of you. And Neil guy just don't want to have nothing to do with you. They see you. They're like, this is it. We're out of here. Yeah. And then the water buck are like, eh, they're probably not hunted as much. And they're a lot more relaxed.
0: When I told uh, when I told our friend here that we wanted to come down and that Joe wanted to get a try to get a nil guy with a bow, um, he right away was like nervous about. It's hard to do, and Yanni came down and just spent time on his own doing it and did it. But he had a bunch of days that he put into it and killed one with a bow, and. Uh, we had a shorter period of time and brad had said listen uh if need be i'll have one of the guides that 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 does bring clients out to guide i'll have him come out and show you guys what's up and after we even spent one day knowing we just had a couple days to hunt we spent one day uh i was kind of like i don't know man like other than just sort of want other than just sort of wandering around waiting for some kind of like weird opportunity present itself, I was a little bit I was kind of at a loss. Mm. I could be like, yeah, I could see man, if you had a week and you were just out for a week, something's gonna happen, but I couldn't think of how to deliberately how to sort of deliberately make it happen, yeah, being like with the deer, like I'll deliberately make it happen by rattling. But with the nil guy, I was like, I don't know, I don't know enough about him to know how you deliberately be like, we're gonna go out and try to get a shot other than we're just gonna kind of stumble around and see if a crazy opportunity presents itself. So we had the guy come. Um what did you what was your take on his his attitude about it, his approach about it?
2: Well, first of all, he said uh, he was wearing a black shirt and he was wearing a black shirt on purpose. He was like, the reason why I dress like this is because when they see me with a black cowboy hat and a black shirt, like they might think that I'm a Neil guy. And if I woof at them, like they might come towards me.
0: And it was so interesting because you at one point said to me, what noises do they make? And I said, I don't know about any. I'm not saying there aren't any. I don't know about any noises. They, they woof. Make. Yeah, I I'm didn't like, know that until that they- woof. 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 Like that's
2: what he was doing. And one I had, of them – like, I had no idea. Stopped. And there it, it was one bull and maybe about eight or nine cows. And he, we crawled about 130, 140 yards to get to this area that was like before the clearing. So we got into this one area that was like sparsely treed. And then we crawled through that area where we were kind of out in the open but not really, to get to this
0: field that's completely open. It was a dry, like a dried-up lake bed that grew up in grass.
2: And the closest we could get was about 110 yards. And so we were hoping that they would come around, and the closest one of the cows came around was probably like 90 yards, somewhere around then. And so then we were trying to debate how to handle this. And so he said, you know what, this is not going to work because the cow – the cows and the bull seemed to be moving in a general direction of away from us. They weren't aware we were there. It took a long time to crawl there. So he says, let's just get up, we'll go back, and then they'll know that we're there, and then I'm going to woof at them through the trees. So I'm gonna follow them through the tree line and woof at them. And he followed them through the tree line, and this one lone bull. Hit, hit me with the noise he makes again. Whoa, that's what he was doing. It was huh. like he was like woofing. Yeah, Almost like yeah. a dog before he starts, you know the the like oh, yeah, your yeah. dogs in your house, <laughs> like his warm up, his warm up yeah. mark it's preamble. A- like like if your shit. dog
0: woke up in your bedroom yeah. and he kind of hears something different. Yeah, you know?
2: my dogs just do that when they would hear a coyote in the distance. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, man, shut the fuck up. <laughs> so when uh so when he woofed they started he was paying attention he was moving towards he goes man he goes give this guy another week or two and he would come charging at us. like what's
0: up yeah when you said that yeah. man i didn't know that that was a i had no idea yeah, that was a thing, it's man. a thing
2: it's a thing so we uh we we settled with uh stalking and ambushing so like the the, the whole thing was just like getting finding them that they didn't know you were there and then slowly creeping around edges without them noticing you and get to a place where, and eventually the way I got the Neil guy was, he spotted this group of uh, bulls and um, they were were with these turkeys and they were around the the edge of this corner, but only about like a hundred yards around the edge. And I was like, that's so close. If we could just get to that corner, I think I, I could sneak up close enough to get a shot. And so we did that, and we got about 90 yards away, and then we went into the woods, and then we got I got to about maybe like 70 or 80, and then I, I creeped real slowly the rest of the way. But it was just very fortunate because the bull had its butt to me Completely ha- had no idea I was there. The turkeys knew, and they started. Oh, really? They started like, "What's happening? What's going on?" Ah! They were like moving around a little bit, and I was like, "These bitches better not give me up," because <laughs> I, I was slowly creeping up to them. And then, yeah, uh, look at
0: the turkeys be like, shh.
2: It was real exciting. I'm not here for you. Those moments, the spot and stalk moments are so exciting because, like, when the animal turns and goes broadside, and you're like, whoa, now's the time. Mm. It's like, this is like, ooh, ooh. It's like your heart starts beating and your adrenaline starts kicking, and you're
0: like, okay, keep it together. Keep it together. I I should point out real quick uh, that when I brought up the bow hunting for nil guy there's like a second complication is uh and we'll get into this but there's the the first complication that, that our friend was is that it's hard to get close to him you know it's just hard the second thing is is they're uh i don't want to say it's regarded as a no-no to try to get one with the bow but like anyone that's a familiar with nil guy when you talk about with a the bow they're kind of like yeah i don't know because you know <laughs> they can really take a hit and they want to run yeah they don't want to bleed and then what, what the hell is the word they use for the brush patches here man it's not like Mott. what's the word Mott? no it's not what brad oh says. monte yeah what the hell is that uh like a brush patch kind of maybe a little
3: elevation and he, he calls it the monte like any like the, the brushy areas yeah
0: yeah you got your cinderos cinderos and montes yeah the roads and if yeah. it's not a sendero, it might be a what's the giant opening an opening? Oh, yeah. the,
3: oh, the, oh, the Plan Grande. Yeah, what the hell's that? That means the, the Great Plane. Okay.
0: And then everything else is the, the brush. The Monte. Yeah. And the fear is that you're going to hit the nil guy and his, his ass is going to run into this brush, which is just some serious brush. And that's
2: exactly what happened. When I was explaining
0: to you how thick that brush is, my kid chased a turkey into that brush and the turkey got snagged up at the brush and couldn't fly away it got a turkey got tangled up in the brush that's crazy (laughs) some thick ass brush so you're you're trying to hit one and and there's a lot of like it's not like a it's not you're going to wing it and assume you'll find it
2: no no it there was it was fraught with peril (laughs) when uh it wound up working out well i i I said to you at the end of the night when i was very relieved that we got the neil guy i was like i think i may be one and done with bow hunting neil guy (laughs) i think stressful i think you want to hit these suckers with a rifle because jason was telling me that when he hits one if he has a client this is our guy the the guy jason great guy i love him so jason was saying that when he has a client he'll have one in the chamber so and then the client hits it and he'll hit him after the client hits it
3: gun hunt gun hunt that's super common mm. I've, I've watched it i've actually watched it in this pasture he didn't
2: tell me that until we were trying to find blood and there was no he's blood. like oh by the way even with
0: the rifles we yes. fought yeah
2: and I, when I hit the, I've you know I've seen animals run when you hit them before. I have never seen an animal run like this. Joe said it was like a cheetah. <laughs> like a cheetah, that's what it's like. It was full clip. I mean, they they live in Asia, right? So what what part of Asia and what
0: kills them? Lions, India. Lions. No, 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 not what am I saying? Tigers, tigers. tigers. Okay, yeah, they're a, they're a, they're from the sense. Indian subcontinent, and they're in their they're. Uh, they're Historic predator is the the tiger. That
2: makes sense. So they're like uh, you've hunted axis deer. Mm-hmm. They are preposterously fast. I have never seen a thing move as fast as yeah. you know, They're like, like they're, they're used to dealing with two hundred pound cat. Exactly. I had a an arrow. I have a video of me bow hunting on Lanai, and I shot this this one axis deer. This it was a pretty big deer. Was uh, feeding at eighty yards away, and there was no wind and it was like perfect conditions, and I really didn't think I'd get closer to him, and I was feeling good about the shot, I was very relaxed. So I launched this arrow. This arrow's tracking perfectly p- towards the, the vitals, and John Dudley gets it on video, so he's, he's filming this whole thing while it's happening. And we're like, this is gonna be the greatest shot of all time, because it's like a perfect shot. And then 10 yards, from this axis deer the arrow is 10 yards away he's like not today <laughs> and ducks and he's completely out of the frame by the time the arrow gets to him and i'm not exaggerating can you match? so you're talking about he's thinking to,
0: to himself in a couple seconds i'm gonna move because of this
2: arrow yeah going. he's like oh geez these assholes are shooting at me again so i mean it's 200 and you know whatever 270, 280 feet a second this arrow's coming at him and from 10 yards away he's like see ya <laughs> in that quick a time and that's all because they evolve around tigers did you ever hear that? Do you ever hear
0: that deal about I want to get back to everything with the, the nil guy but you ever hear that explanation and I've talked about it before of like how a, how things experience time being that when you go to smack a fly in your mind you're like you're cocked back you know you're like a tiger right you're like what but in the fly in his mind he might be like oh what is this thing coming toward me right (laughs) right (laughs) right i'm probably gonna need to move out of the way oh yeah it's coming Well he's only awake. <laughs> yeah. a awake. A fly is only alive for a week. Yeah, so it might right? be that he might experience that week like you do your eighty years. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like there's that there was that there's that one day where that hand was coming down. Yes. <laughs> oh boy, let me get out of the way.
3: He experienced he, he relished it like a roller coaster. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He enjoyed it. He's like, I sometimes like to wait till it's really close. <laughs> you know what always freaks
2: me out about flies is how quickly they find a dead animal it is so fast yeah like when 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 an animal's down especially when there's a gut pile it is instantaneous like hundreds of flies out of nowhere like where were you guys
0: yeah, you I didn't even yeah it wasn't notice. like you were following me around i
2: didn't notice it was like a fly infested area it didn't seem like very flyy and then all yeah. of a sudden there's flies everywhere
0: so you're creeping up on your Neil guy so i'm creeping
2: up <laughs> on this Neil guy and it wasn't the best situation because uh, I've had a pro. I have this uh, this bow sight that I really like for a lot of good reasons. It's a Garmin, uh, and it's a it's a range finding bow sight. And what's interesting about it is instead of having a range finder and a sight, it's all built into one. And uh, you you at full draw, there's a button on my riser. I hit the button and a dot goes on to the animal and then it shows me a pin
0: well you gotta you gotta be clear here the dot it doesn't project to be no 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 it doesn't project to be
2: there's a lens so you're looking through a lens just like you would looking through like a traditional rangefinder but it's it's like the size of a bow sight lens it's much larger you know like a like a the best way to describe it like a small sunglass lens, like if you had a sunglass and you're looking through that and when you press a button, it gives you a dot just like a rangefinder gives you a dot where you're you're pointing it at the area you want to hit and then it gives you a number, it's got a little screen above it, it'll say like 53, in in this case it was 53 yards and then it shows you a pin. Well, in this, it's, it's been fucking up lately. And it, I, I hit the button and it ranges. It says 53 yards, but no pin. And I'm at full draw. Ranges, so you know the moment when an animal turns broadside, you're trying to stay calm. It'll, Cause you know, this whole process of creeping up on him takes like 20 minutes or so. So during that time, you're, you're holding, you're like trying to keep your heart rate down and breathing mm-hmm. and just like slow and steady. And when I get the shot, I'm gonna stay like this, nice and calm.
0: And so then... He, is it trying to give you... A, is it? It's not trying to make a judgment. It's not giving me shit. It's, it's like not like... Two you know, times it, in a row. It's your side's like, before. no, Joe, just wait, Joe. <laughs>
2: this has happened before on... Tar- it's not normal, but it, it's happened before on targets where I press the button and nothing happens. And I press the button and... I, so I had to press it three times and finally it gives me a pin. So I was like, okay, here we go. So I'm at full draw for a few seconds. And this is a very heavy bow. It's a 90-pound bow. So I'm, it's okay because there's a lot of let off. But you know, I'm I'm thinking now, like, geez, how long can I hold this here? Like, how long is this gonna let? Am I gonna have to let down? All these thoughts are in my mind, and then finally, I get the pin. I'm like, okay, here we go. Can you
0: hold it there for a second? <laughs> yes. Why, um, you shoot a 90 pound bow? Why? I thing I've always wondered is, skinny ass guys like me, guys that could beat my ass in a fight. Why do so many people, in your view, hover at around like 70 pound draw weight?
2: Well, seventy-pound draw weight is comfortable to pull, and if you don't lift weights and if you're not a, a physically strong person, that's achievable. It's like you you can get there.
0: Yeah, like, well, I, I'm a skinny-ass guy that lifts weights, but I feel like, like I said like people that could beat my ass are also shooting a seventy-pound bow. Well, it's just It wasn't common. Like it was like through my whole life, it wasn't common to hear someone pulling a ninety-pound bow. It's
2: not common now. Eighty oh, okay. is yeah. more common. Really? I was just watch a video about. This, uh, they were doing reviews on 80 pound bows and uh, the reason why I switched to uh, a 90 is just because cam did cam Haynes switched to a 90 and he had Hoyt made him a 90 and I'm like I'll try it let me Got try it. that 90 yeah. and it uh, I had a PSC that was 95 uh, last year and it was just too much It was uh, John Dudley tried to make the most ridiculous bow for me you know because he works with PSE so he made a PSE 95 pound bow with a very short brace height. And if you were accurate, it was ridiculous, but it was not forgiving at all Yeah, because the brace height was very short. And for, for people that don't know, the, long, the brace height is the distance between the riser and the string. And if you have a good brace height, like, like seven inches, that's like more forgiving than five inches. And this was more like five inches. And, but it would shoot a 530 grain arrow, 300 feet a second, which is really crazy. Re- ass, really fast. And the impact, like the kinetic energy is incredible. Like, And you saw yesterday with that Neil guy. I mean, total pass through from looking at the animal. Uh, it was, um, it was uh, quartering away. I hit it through the ribs, went through its entire body, and out the front shoulder. Full, clean pass through. And then the arrow was like 30 yards yeah, away yeah. when we found it. So we found the arrow. When I found the arrow, I was pretty confident. And I was like, that arrow is just soaked with blood. That, And I I was pretty confident in the hit, but I was not confident when I saw that sucker run. When I hit him, I was like, whack. I'm like, that looks good. Whoa. And watching him run, I was like, oh, no. <laughs> like, he's going so fast. <laughs> it was going so fast. It was crazy. Full clip. Like, I mean... I don't know how many miles an hour, but he looked like
0: he was going 100. It was just ridiculous. <laughs> and I was like... And then when they are running, yeah, it's so... I don't want to say it's extraterrestrial. Yeah. It's like you kept saying it's like some shit from Avatar. He didn't they're, seem... They're like a big cat. Yeah. They're like a... I don't know what the hell. They're like a, like a, a short-necked giraffe. Yeah,
2: a more athletic giraffe. Yeah. yeah, It, it didn't seem like he should be able to run that fast if he got hit good cuz if you hit an elk good like they get whap like the the arrow hits them they will buck up and then they'll run off but you could tell they're hurt. I could not tell at all that he was hurt. It's like it
0: made him healthier.
2: <laughs> it, it was like it supercharged him like their will to live is insane and it must be because they evolve around tigers. It has to be. So this sucker full clip runs off and all I could do is just sort of watch where he was going and I was hoping that I was going to see signs of stumble and then fall down because it was, you know, he ran, uh, would you say it was about 130 yards to where he As, died?
0: Like I did a line distance on Onyx and it was line distance 130. No, you know, he didn't take a circuitous route to get there, just kind of what, you know, a slight arc. Yeah.
2: So in, when I saw the arc, we saw the arc and then we started gritting. We started trying to figure out where he was.
0: Me and Corinne had that shit all wrong.
2: <laughs> we were far off.
0: Yeah, but I was like, man, it'll be three in the morning, but we're gonna cover this entire <laughs> by the time we're done, we'll haven't covered everything. I turned a track function on and I was telling Crent, okay, now I'll move over twenty yards or whatever the hell it was. Yeah. We're gonna come back and it would have been about three in the morning when we got over to where you guys were. <laughs> well, uh Jason had we
2: had looked and he had an application on his phone that showed a grid of like Yeah, where... just a track yeah, a just, track function. I can't yeah. even remember
0: what app he was using. I think he said Rambler. That's right and so
2: uh there was this one small area where he realized we didn't look earlier and he went and looked there and he was just lying right there
0: but you know about that dude like he's good because i don't know if you noticed too when when i got the deer i got a deer and i was kind of a little nervous i was like there's no blood but i mean i saw the it was coming on i saw the broad head and the arrow coming out of his back hip like it ran the entire length of him. but there's no blood and i'm like questioning what i saw and i said to this guy this is the guide that, that guides out here i said to him i'm like man he kind of went like and i showed like where he went and it was like he wasn't listening to me he swings way left <laughs> And goes, here it is. <laughs> yeah, I was you know, like, what? I was like, what? Like, what possibly were you going on? You weren't did even here. He was asking you though. Did he? Already, he was asking you. He was what asking side?
2: you what side you hit it on. Yeah. He's like, if you hit it on the right side, it's gonna go towards the yep. left.
0: That's the one thing he said. And he was right. I showed him where it went in. How I was like of like front, kind of like strong quartering toward me in the front shoulder, And So he just strikes off that way, and almost like. Like, magnetically drawn to it. And like he found it. We were,
1: like we were right there. Again.
0: Yeah. I mean, he's...
2: it's Guides are interesting because you spend that much time just constantly around these animals. I think you get a sense of them that I just don't have.
0: Yeah. You, he's, he does like... He has a regular job. Yeah. He finishes concrete. He has a concrete business, I think. Mm-hmm he goes oh this is my part-time deal i'm like well how much Yeah, 80 guys a year i'm like okay well <laughs> that's, <pretty laughs> that's, that's a lot of that's a lot
2: of uh, hunting he loves it though like, a he, lot of he loved the sneaking in on them. like he got all excited about it it was it was fun
0: spring is a great time to do something with your family Do some spring cleaning, which I kind of started today outside. Planning outdoor activities, which I'm always doing. Taking a little trip to Hawaii with your kids for spring break, which I just did, which was great. You know what else you can do for your family this spring? You can shop for life insurance with Policy Genius. Make that part of your financial planning for the year. I've said it before a thousand times. I'll say it again. When my wife and I, when we started having kids... We got serious about life insurance, and man, I felt so much better after we did. With Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies that start at just $292 per year for a million dollars of coverage. Some options offer same-day approval and avoid unnecessary medical exams. Even if you already have a life insurance policy through work, it may not offer enough protection for your family's needs, and it may not follow you if you leave your job. So save time and money. And provide your family with a financial safety net using Policy Genius. Head to policygenius.com or click the link in the description to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you could save. That's policygenius.com. Looking for the perfect gift to celebrate the moms in your life? Aura Frames are beautiful Wi Fi connected digital picture frames that allow you to share and display unlimited. Photos. These things are super cool as a gift, especially if you got mom, aunt, grandma, whoever and you want to like keep them up to speed on what the family's up to. Okay. It's easy to upload and share photos via the Aura app. And if you're giving an Aura as a gift, you can even personalize the frame with pre-loaded photos and memories. Named the best digital picture frame by Wirecutter and selected as one of Oprah's favorite things, Aura frames are guaranteed to bring joy to moms of all ages. You can share photos to the frame instantly from anywhere, meaning you share videos, photos from any device, and they will instantly appear on the frame, wherever it is in the world. There's no memory card required. Right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off, plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com. Use code MEATEATER at checkout to save... Terms and conditions apply. Man, I'm just coming back uh, not too long ago from youth turkey season in Wisconsin. Now, last year at youth turkey season, it rained and snowed the whole time. This year at youth turkey season, it was in the 70s and even up to 80. So, me and my kids are pouring it to it. And I, after a while, I realized they didn't drink anything all day and they haven't drank anything all day. Well, that's why it's important to get hydrated and have something you're going to like to help you, encourage you. To get hydrated Doesn't matter Outdoor events Turkey hunting Playing sports Beach days Mountain adventures Summer requires Extraordinary hydration That's built for everyday Dehydrating moments With three times The electrolytes Of the leading sports drink Plus eight vitamins And nutrients In a single stick It's clear why Liquid IV Is the number one Powdered hydration brand In America Tear Pour Live more when he got here and i was curious, i was real curious to hang out with him i'm like i, I you know i'm like i don't know the first thing about nilgai. i've done it a couple times with a rifle which is a totally different experience because you just basically go out and look for one and shoot it and that's how that goes uh so i was real curious to see like how could one consistently get up close on him but what's funny is he didn't jump out of his truck to be like here's why i have a black shirt and a black cowboy hat on Right, right. <laughs> I was just oh, okay. He's a man in black, Johnny Cash fan. I don't know. And then only later does it come out. And I was like, I would have yeah. been like, you might be wondering why. <laughs> right. No, he was a cool
2: guy. Oh. Fun guy to talk to. But No, it, the
0: minute I met him, I talked to him for a couple seconds and I went and told Joe, I'm like, this guy's cool. It'll, it'll be fun. Yeah, it was, real was fun. You know, you're, always,
2: you're always nervous with It was real people. fun. And, you know, when we're going around the corner, when I was creeping up on the Neil guy, uh, he laid back too. He's like, did he? Yeah, I was like, just I just, slow it down. I was like, this is just better if it's just one of us, because like you know the turkeys and all this shit. I'm like, so so he just hung back. Was so he, he giving you me. a bunch
0: of input on uh, do this and don't do that when it comes time to shoot it? Nope. no. He
2: told me where their organs are, but I had already knew that. I'd done a bunch of research online. There, they are all their stuff is closer to the front than um than um like an elk or a deer which uh is interesting they're they're built differently yeah yeah so he told me that but i had already i was already aware of that but uh i think i really do think i'm one and done with bow hunting them watching the way he ran off like you just you can just to, picture
0: not finding it yeah oh honey, well that was
2: a, i hit him perfect it was a great oh, shot oh we didn't
0: mention this not a speck of blood nothing and and even when we got up to it uh, you probably noticed this we got up yeah. to it the in hole there's an in hole and there's the an out hole and there's no blood stain on its body yeah it wasn't until we were we rolled it up it wasn't until we rolled it up that and then by that point it had been dead for 45 minutes or right. an hour it wasn't until we rolled it up that some blood trickled out and but there was a clean it looked like someone had washed it it's crazy it was just
2: a little bit of dribble that was coming out of the hole. But like a little in, bubble. But none of it was on the ground. Zero mm-hmm. on the ground. And you got to also think about that arrow that we found. So we find this arrow. It blows through his body. So he's quartering away. It hits his ribs, goes through the enti- this large body cavity, goes through the entire body cavity, out the front shoulder, goes 30 yards past his body. Nothing sprays out. Mm. Nothing. Zero. No and the the arrow is soaked with blood. Nothing comes out of his body. I was like, "What a strange animal. Like this is so strange." But the sheer panic that I had when I seen him run that way. I was like, "Oh no." <laughs> and I was it was almost like it was playing tricks on me like maybe I didn't hit him good. Like maybe I hit him bad, maybe I hit his foot or maybe I you know, maybe maybe I'm delusional. Yeah. Like I thought it was I, I had the pin right where I wanted to. My arm was steady. The release was good. I hear swack when it hits his body. I'm like, I got... Oh, no. That was the, like literally <laughs> the, the the thought process. Like, I got him. I didn't even finish got him. It was like, I got... Oh, my God. Look <laughs> at that sucker go.
3: Pew! <laughs>
2: just... <laughs> Full clip. And then he just ran till he was gone. It was both of his lungs, so... He, uh, he just expired from a lack of air within 130 yards. So he probably covered that 130 yards in 10 seconds, too.
0: Yeah, that's, that's a funny thing about when, you're, when you do get into a bad situation, you're trailing something. You lose sight of um, what it took to cover the distance. Right. Versus what it took you to cover the distance. Right. So if you have a really bad blood trail... And you find like a little speck and a little speck, and a while later, you know, you're into it 45 minutes. You haven't started circling yet because you don't want to mess up. You don't want to stamp out any blood because you want to keep the trail intact. And, you know, 45 minutes later, you realize you're 100 yards away. And you're like, I don't know, it seems like you're on this journey. But when you think about it in your mind, that was seconds. Seconds. It was seconds. Yeah. So it didn't bleed for seconds. Yeah. But you're making all these, you know, the, the, all this wild ideas about what's going to happen on down the blood trail or whatever, you know, I remember like being a real little kid, man. And, in uh, like my dad would go hunt or my brothers, or when I got older, I would go to when I, once I turned 12 and could bow hunt, just going on many, 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 many blood trails. And it'd be like someone had hit a deer, everybody come home, you'd eat dinner, you'd get the Coleman lanterns out and shit and spend an hour trying to get those things going. Get all the lanterns and walk out on the blood trail and it'd either be that everybody'd look and they couldn't find any blood and you get this sinking feeling like dude we're gonna be here till two in the morning i'm gonna fall asleep out in the woods this is miserable or it'd be like someone went through the woods with a spray can of red paint and it'd just be euphoria yeah and i still carry with me so much of that like when there's when you can't find blood you're like it ran right through here and you can't find blood i still can never shake that just sinking feeling.
2: Yeah, that was how I felt. But the, on the flip side, when we got back to the house, after we found him, we got back to the house, it was the greatest feeling in the world. I was yeah. like, oh, I'm so relaxed because I don't have that dread of like not being able to find this animal. And the worst case scenario would be you find him like you ran four or five hundred yards, but now the meat's no good. Yeah, so now he's just dead for no reason. And it's hot
0: as shit, and, and it's so hot it's as like shit. You don't have, yeah. you can't even joke. Like even in cold weather, you're kind of like, well, the elk. Oh, we'll go find him in the morning. You're kind of bullshitting yourself because a lot of it'll be good, but you're you're gonna lose a lot. You're gonna, you know, mm-hmm. like even if it's fifty degrees, you go find it in the morning. Like it's some, it's there's gonna be parts that are gonna be not. There's parts that are probably gonna spoil, yeah, um, but here you wouldn't even be able to kid yourself, yeah, you wouldn't kid yourself, plus it would be, found like, him in it'd the be morning. like turkey buzzards and coyotes and just whatever, yeah,
2: if we found him in the morning, it would be a mess <sighs> it'd be a bloated pile, yeah,
0: it'd be horrible, I mean, it was like it was probably eighty degrees yesterday, right, Might have. yeah, hey, can you tell the story about the guy, are you allowed to tell that story about the guys that killed the javelinas for for shits and giggles,
3: oh, yeah. That's a oh good story. yeah. So they're <laughs> in Texas. You can kill two javelinas a year, and there there's no tags or anything. And they're they are a game animal, and so because they're a game animal, there's a waste of meat. They're, they're native wildlife. Yeah, you, know. uh, you have to retain the meat. And I, this is anecdotal, but I, I heard this story. I might I think I read it. Maybe even like maybe it was on the game warden blotter or something like. that. Maybe I dreamt it. Uh, yeah. At this point, I'm <laughs> completely mistrusting it. <laughs> now that
0: i'm no, it's a great story it, though i like it and if it's not true i think it should i think a game warden should keep this one in his back pocket
3: it's a fable at least it's a you know it's cautionary tale about uh, going out and shooting a bunch of javelinas and dragging them to the gut pile which this game warden checked on some hunters and asked if they'd shot anything and they're like yeah we just got some javelinas i'm putting words in their mouths right now uh and he's like, "Well, where's the meat?" And they're like, "Oh, we didn't, we didn't take any. We just drug them out to the gut pile, and it was, I, you know, two or three days it transpired." And he's like, "No, they're it's game animal. You have to harvest the meat from them." And he made them go after the fact out to the gut pile and quarter these. Uh, Rotten, swollen uh,
0: javelinas. I love it. I'd I like it. Only Ooh. thing that would make the story better is if you grabbed him by the ear. <laughs> 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 took him yeah. by the ear and dragged him out yeah. to the pile. Or I'm I'm made him cook it.
2: Try javelina. Yeah. I, I really want to know what it tastes like. It's good. Yeah.
0: You can make it taste like uh, meat <laughs> by depending, you know, chorizo, whatever. Yeah. I think that's what I'm going to do. Get chorizo made with it. So, uh, if you don't, if you say you wanted, if you, you don't, you wouldn't hunt nil guy again. I would hunt nil no guy with a rifle. With a, okay, that's what I was going to ask yeah. you. How uh, how um, how not interested in gun hunting are you? Uh, because I mean, you like the archery stuff so much.
2: I I don't not like gun hunting. I mm-hmm. do like gun hunting. Yeah, I I like both. You do. Yeah, yeah. It, well, I mean, one of the things that people don't want to admit, people that are archery hunting enthusiasts is that it's not the best way to hunt. It's like the the most ethical way to hunt really is with a rifle.
0: Like if you're counting lack, if you're counting like greatest likelihood of the quickest death. Yes. Yeah. Like I had uh like I
2: hunted Tahone Ranch last year and I had a really lucky first day. I was with Evan Hafer and Evan shot an elk on the first day and I shot an elk on the first day. And uh I was supposed to be there for 6 days, so uh, they had pig tags that were available. So it's like, all right, let's go do some pig hunting. And uh, they're like, do you want to do rifle or bow? And I said, you know what? Let's, let's go rifle. Let's go for fun. And I shot a pig at 80 yards, and he died where he stood. Boom! It went through him. He just fell over dead, smoke coming out of his mouth. And, I'm, and I thought to myself, <laughs> I go, this is so much more effective. Like, if I shot that, that pig with a with a bow he would have taken off and it would have probably been you know we have to go find him and you're going under because in a lot of these ranches you know the where the pigs will live is you have like heavy bush and they get into the bushes and so he probably would have went in there and i probably would have had to crawl in and drag him out and then i probably would have Hope that he was dead while I was doing this. And yeah, like tunnels. Yeah.
0: like I don't mean tunnels. to make a false equation, but you know, like in Vietnam, when you had to take a pistol and flashlight and go into those tunnels? Oh, Jesus. Not in any way saying the same thing, but right. I've seen hog tunnels, which you're like, it seems like you're Fraught in with peril. With a knife and a flashlight. <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah. Oh, God, yeah. And you do not want to get one-on-one with a hog <laughs> with a knife. Oh, and it was a good boar, too. I mean, he had good tusks, and he was a big sucker. Um... I'm not opposed to rifle hunting. As a matter of, matter of fact, like if uh, if it got to a, a situation where I was so busy that I didn't have that's not true. That it's never going to happen. It'll it never be a situation where I never have enough time to go on like real long hunts. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll make sure at this point in my life, cause just because I, I enjoy it too much, and it's it's such a break for me. It's such a like a cleansing of, uh, all the other stuff on my mind. You know, when, like, say when you and I were there, you're rattling and I got an arrow knocked and my head's on a swivel. I'm not thinking about jack shit.
0: No, you're right. There's I'm not no thinking room about, to think about other stuff. anything
2: other than what's going on. Um, but I think rifle hunting is more, it's more effective. It's probably more humane, you know, uh, it's, it's just, there's a reason why they invented guns. They're better than bows. But in terms of satisfaction, the animals that I've killed with my bow are the most... They're hard, It's harder to do. It's yeah. just much harder to do. Like that 53-yard shot that I hit that Neil guy with, that's easy with a rifle. I could do that offhand with a rifle. Yeah. No, no problem. 100% confident. But with a bow, it's like, you know, there's so much going on. I'm kind of to be steady. <sighs> breathe out, don't rush the shot, pull through it, the shot breaks, everything was perfect. But everything was perfect because of hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of hours of practice. If you gave me a rifle, I haven't shot a rifle in a year. If you gave me a rifle right now, I'm 100% confident I could shoot a Neil Guy at 53 yards offhand.
0: Yeah, I'd hope so, yeah. Yeah,
2: it's like, it's it's a better weapon.
0: But I think that people confuse When people talk about ethics they're oftentimes confusing two things there's there people be like well i like to hunt with a bow because it's more ethical i'll be like it's Mm. more challenging
2: more challenging it's more
0: challenging so that's great but that's not you assessing um that's not you assessing in, in in weighing however one chooses the way animal like the welfare and well-being.
2: Likelihood of injury. Yeah,
0: meaning if you really want to get down to, like you like take a commercial slaughter plant, how do they, when they're like, hey, we want quick death, we're going to be ethical. What are they going to do? They're not going to shoot with a bow. Right. They're going to take a pneumatic bolt and punch a, I don't know what it is, three-quarter diameter stainless steel rod right all the way the through its brain. Yeah. And they'd be like, that's humane. Yeah. Well, I thought archery hunting was humane. Like archery hunting's hard. <laughs> right? Yeah, it's archery Archer
2: hunting's hard. There's a there's a restaurant in uh, Austin, and they serve a lot of uh, wild game meat and a uh, lot of antelope and stuff like that. And this guy was telling me that one of the things that they do is they they hire snipers, and that these snipers shoot these animals in mm. the brain. They shoot them in the head, and uh, they're like. And Jesse, you could tell me about this. How much does it affect the flavor if an animal is stressed out? Like if an animal gets hit and runs and has that adrenaline rush, how much of an impact does that have on the taste of the meat? It can be huge.
3: Um I mean, I think for that reason, you know, there's I a mean, rifle shot has a more likelihood of of bringing it down immediately. You know, in the case of a a big boar or any animal like that, you're the larger the animal, the more likely it is it's going to run. Um you know, even a debilitating shot from a rifle. But I think stress is, uh, along with just some any kind of bacterial contamination, stress is going to be one of the contributing main contributing factors to having it taste stronger. Um, you get like different textures in the meat. You know, the lactic acid buildup, stuff like that. And anecdotally, mm. um, you know, I've I've seen hogs shot versus caught in a snare identical hogs i might have even told this story on your podcast uh and how one the one that was caught in the snare was inedible Mm. and they were there was two sows probably about 80 pounds each they could have come out of the same litter one dropped with a spine shot and one was so exhausted uh when we came up to her uh, she was in a snare that she couldn't even stand up when we walked up there uh and and that one was one of the worst tasting pigs i've ever i've ever
0: seen and so mm. i mean i
3: can i mean it's not a lot of data right there it's totally anecdotal well but i'll plus
0: like i got a couple of things i'd like to add and i, and I don't want to in any way discredit your your explanation and you didn't say anything that's inaccurate but we have twice who's that dude we had on from purdue chris Calk? Mm-hmm. Was he Calkins or Calkins? I can never tell because we got one that works for us. Same damn name, but they're like insistent that they
1: screwed up on that. I think it's Calkins. Whatever the hell,
0: Calkins, Calkins. Same spelling as the other guy we hang out with that likes it the other way. So Calkins or Calkins? Is it Chris? It is. He's a meat scientist. He's just a meat scientist from Purdue University. He's come on the podcast twice to explain. He did a great job of like all that shit. Like, okay, what is when something's stressed, what is it that we're talking about? All the shit with rigor mortis, like all the shit with temperature after death, all the shit with hang time, hang position. Um, like, why do you hang it upside down? Why hang it by its neck versus by its hocks? What happens when you bone meat out? What you're not allowing to happen when you bone it out warm? And it hasn't gone through rigor on the tendon. Mm. And a lot of shit about yeah. stress. Age. I mean, like so what many exactly things. chemically is happening to an animal that's stressed? He does a great job of explaining. I mean, it's his whole subject of research, it's his whole career. Right. And um all you know, like slaughterhouse practices and all that kind of shit. He does a great job on it. The the snare and hogs, I I have a half dozen hog snares that I've ha- that I've owned for over a decade, dying to use them um have never used them i had a guy that that is a wildlife control guy in hawaii that does pig removal he said the number one problem with using snares for hog removal is that people think they want the hogs gone until they got to listen to a hog in a snare all night then They'd lose their interest in having the hogs be gone. So if you talking about stress, it'll have people be like, "Never mind, get the snares <laughs> out of here. I can't handle it." Wow,
2: all night. Yeah, I can imagine.
3: You don't. We get I mean at the restaurant we serve feral hog that's been inspected. So that hog was caught in a big trap, so it went in the trap, it was having a treat, and then the, then the gates drop, and so that's it. That's a big stressor right there. On sure, i If you've ever seen the videos, they go nuts. They're trying to get out any which way. Okay, they're stressed out. Okay, now a trailer's going to back up. A, a monster's going to pull up. You know, a diesel monster with the trailer's going to back up. And now all these hogs, Get escorted, you know, like on, you know, like prodded by little monsters that get out and make them get up there
0: for their first car ride <laughs> for their
3: first car ride down the highway, down the
0: fucking highway. Oh man, man. imagine, Can you imagine being
3: a pig? that stress. Okay, so we're, you know, they it's just like a, a world, it's, it's, a, it's a trip into outer space for them. They're going down the highway <laughs> and then they get to their destination. And what does that smell like? It smells like death and they get put in this holding pen for however long it is before feral hog processing day which at our processor i believe is every it's either every week or every other week so they might be in there for for a while uh, but the thing is is that these hogs never taste uh, like with, with any of the attributes that you would assume that a, a large amount of stress would would give them they're fine at that point, so maybe there's some sort of plateau that happens mm. where they're gen- they're they're acutely stressed and then they're generally stressed.
2: Well, isn't it a different thing you're talking about? You're talking about not just stress with that snared hawk. You're talking about lactic acid. Mm-hmm. There, that's struggle. Prob- yeah, the physical struggle is probably very different than just the psychological stress. But the adrenaline stress versus lactic acid. I, I would imagine when you're fatigued to death, like literally, like you can't move when you know that people are coming to get you, that's probably just an en- enormous amount of lactic acid through the system.
0: I got a, I got a question for you, Jesse. We get a lot of uh, people write in who are confused by what they censor, these big big contradictions in wildlife management, particularly around the sale of wildlife parts. Okay, A couple of examples would be, if you can't sell wild game, which is generally true, like you generally can't sell wild game, why can you buy a taxidermied head? Why can you buy an antler, okay? And that would be like, that's like byproduct, not the meat in that explanation. Why can you sell beaver meat to sled dogs for, for sled dog food? Why can you sell a beaver's fur if you're not allowed to sell wild game, be like, well, because <clears throat> that lives under different regulatory structure, which is, it's a fur bearer. It's, it's not technically a game animal. Why can you sell fish? Why can people go to the ocean and sell fish if you can't sell wild game? That's fisheries. It's like historically been under totally different regulatory structure than wild game. Why can you sell bear grease as a hairdressing but you can't sell bear grease as a food additive. It would be because you can't, it's a game animal. You can sell byproduct for non-food, I'm speaking in very general terms. You can sell byproduct for non-food purposes the same way I could sell you a bear hide, my old taxidermy I didn't want anymore, but I couldn't have sold you an edible food item marketed to you as bear meat. So there's all these like, you know, it's it's complicated it frustrates people that it doesn't make clean sense there's too many things that sit outside of the rule right it's hard to understand how the rules even came to place but how in the hell if if i go into your restaurant how can i go in and buy a nilgai and they're not they're, they're they're not fenced in they're they're not domestic or how can i go in and buy a wild pig Like, how does that how does that not fly in the face of this whole no wild game thing?
2: Well, Texas has different laws with invasive species. They have different laws with introduced species, like species from Asia and Africa. You could buy them. They they sell them like they sell cattle.
0: But can they go livestock? Yeah, Yeah, but they can't go out of the state. Like like, and you they're inspected, right? They can. Okay, like break it down for me. Give me break. Give me the version of how you get a nil guy. And what the rules are, and how you get a pig, and what the rules are, and what can't you do? Like you can't right now. You, like maybe you can. Could you go right now and shoot a nil guy, gut it out, and sell it in your restaurant? No. Okay. So that—that's what I'm like. I, I, I'm not. Okay, I, don't, I know you're not breaking a law, but like, you have ex- to have a license. Like to explain this shit how it goes. You have to have an
3: inspector. So we're gonna let's break the pigs and uh and then everything else. Okay. Into two different categories, and we'll start with the like the nil no guy specifically. So these big ranches down here you know that you know along the south texas coast where the nil guy are will often if they need to call out a bunch of cows will hire an outfit and that that outfit is generally broken arrow cows ranch.
0: as in female nil guy correct
3: right, yeah. correct sorry sorry yeah uh a broken arrow ranch out of ingram and they'll come down here and they'll shoot no guy from helicopters um, and the whole process has to be done very correctly with a with an inspector there. Since they're going over state lines, they're going to be USDA. Okay. Um, and so they're they'll come down. They'll they'll take maybe eighty in a day, um, and then they have these big refrigerated trailers and this crew that rolls down.
0: What shots are they going for? Shooting headshots. With, shooting headshots with presumably like from a helicopter headshots with a rifle. Yes. Got it. Okay.
3: And then they will process everything under inspection, and then they'll take it back to their facility in Ingram, which is in the hill country. And from there, they ship all over the country. Now, they're probably the preeminent supplier of wild game, and especially of like high quality wild game. Uh, and they do uh, different species, there's axis, Sometimes you can get things like I believe they sell fallow and maybe uh, red deer, but they can't do it guide. with whitetails though. Correct, you can't do it with
0: them. that's native that's,
3: game. It's native and it's a protected game species. Yeah. Now I, I know there's whitetail farms. Uh, I don't I don't know of any in Texas. And I don't know the regulation around that, but you it, I think they can be farmed. But yeah, you here can. you can yeah. plenty of other species that will fill that void, and they're typically invasives. And so it's it's best uh, to to utilize that as a resource. So your Nilgai and your Axis, um, we at the restaurant we've had Nilgai Axis Red David Pear David. I'm sorry, Red Deer Pear David, um,
0: even Audad that were cold off of off of ranches. So when it's in your restaurant, it's been inspected, inspected on the ground, correct? Yep.
3: Yeah. So and that's uh, since they're distributing beyond state lines, that's USDA. Now, conversely, you've got uh, feral pigs, which are trapped live, like we just described that process, and they're brought into a facility in Fredericksburg, uh, where they're inspected by a state inspector, because he's not going to distribute over state lines. Correct, an anti-mortem inspection, so before they're killed. All pigs are done that way. All feral hogs. Yes, and okay. so they can be either state or USDA. If they're not going over state lines, they don't need to be USDA. And since his most of his distribution is pr- probably to us, at you know, and then a, a few other places, he's not going to mess with the uh, kind of the burdensome regulations that having a USDA inspector in your facility comes yep. with. You know, so
0: your hogs in your restaurant, live trapped, live trapped, state inspected, state inspected. They have a blue Texas stamp on them got it but there is a there is a way there is an avenue well federal inspector to then have the you'd have texas wild hogs federally inspected can go yes and that's
3: also common so i mean most most feral hog and feral hog products in the united states are probably coming from texas yeah and so they're they're going to be inspected
0: under do you know when they inspect it what they're looking for
3: uh obvious signs i know they're looking at the inside of the or oh, they're going to be looking at the organs uh for indications you yeah. of, of for what they would call condemnation. they would condemn that animal um and then i think just general health while it's on the hoof you know just make sure it's not lame or showing obvious signs of being sick or anything and then there's some uh, there's something on the inside of the ribs I remember hearing about, and then the, the, an organ inspection, and then it's good to go. Yep. After that, um, in, but Broken Arrow is USDA, and they also do feral hog. Got it. So they're USDA feral hog because their distribution is wider, and Got so it. and they do it. They do a phenomenal job. Like the the quality of the meat, the aging process. Um, they do that electrostimulation. Yeah. Um, and then they age everything really appropriately at the at the facility and then it's it 's overnighted it's it 's an incredible
0: company can you buy like if you, you as a restaurant guy uh can you buy is it just cheaper for you to buy domestic pigs by the time all that shit's done
3: uh it's about the same okay. price yeah. yeah you'd think feral hogs would be dirt cheap but yeah. because of the 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 trap. The trap, the trapper, the gas money, yep. the trailer, the processing, the distribution. Um, it's not set up in the same you know, structure and it's not as efficient. Uh, so it does, in, in you know, incur a bit of cost. And so at the end of the day, a heritage breed pig, a large black red wattle
0: uh, and a feral hog are going to be about the same price. Yeah. I got a I got a last question for you, Joe. Where um, where are you at? as a home cook and how has like game meat sort of changed your thing and and what's what's your family's attitude toward you know all the all the game meat you guys eat
2: they love it because we eat it so much um but um where i'm at is uh well One thing I did is uh, I I started cooking everything, like not everything, but most of what I do, I cook very slowly uh, on a smoker. Uh, I usually use a Traeger, but I recently bought an an actual Texas offset smoker, which I'm excited to do. Yeah, Um, you're
0: saying someone made you one up that you're excited about. yeah,
2: Yeah, yeah, and I also got one of those Argentine steak grills, oh yeah, yeah, which is great. So I really got into wood uh, cooking over wood. I'm, I mean, I've always loved like cooking on a Traeger because I think it does impart like a flavor of wood to the food, but actual wood, burning wood, is next level. Yeah,
0: and there's a, there's a convenience factor. Oh, the, the yeah. trigger is amazing. <laughs> it's just The like, fact that I can I check tell my, my kid, phone. No, no, I tell my kid, I'm like, listen, go turn the... Yeah,
2: I check know. my phone, and it tells you what temperature the meat is. That's incredible. But there's also these probes called uh, meter probes. Yeah, I got they're some amazing. of those. Yeah, those are great.
0: Dude, they're incredible.
2: And, you know, you could use those, and those also you could check on your phone. Oh,
0: it gives you a projection of when you're going to be done. Oh, yeah. It. yeah it's it's nice. a pretty good projection too, dude. It'll be like, yeah. it'll hit at In twenty two minutes, yeah, Yeah. it's a game changer.
2: I I really like. There's something about cooking over wood, actual wood too, that gives you. There's this caveman thing inside of you. It's like oh, fire, food. Like I remember the first time we hunted in Montana. uh, That was I'd never I'd never killed an animal and I certainly never killed an animal and cooked it over a fire, like a campfire. I'm like this is the greatest shit in the world. Like, this, this is, like, whatever it is. Like, we were talking about this the other day, that this is, like, a door that you can open up in your brain. Like, I didn't even know this door was there. Like, I didn't even know this was uh, an area of my house. Like, what's in here? And it was like the, oh, you just hunted and killed something, and now you're going to eat it door. <laughs> and uh, and and I was like, this is my favorite room. Like, this is my favorite room of the house. I didn't even know it existed before. And that's what it feels like when I cook. When I, well, I'm sitting there outside, and I've got these elk steaks, and uh, I I basted them in olive oil, and I've got some some sea salt on them, and I'm just sitting them on this grill, and the fire's crackling, and the smoke is lifting up, and I can smell it. I'm in my glory. I'm having so much fun. I'm so relaxed. Maybe I have a glass of wine. I'm just chilling with my dog. It's the greatest thing in the world. And then the, the taste of it is so fantastic. And um, it does impart, impart that smoky flavor. And my favorite way to finish them, I, I like to do reverse sear with game meat. I've tried a bunch of different methods. But to me, especially when it comes like with elk steaks, um, the the best result that i've ever found is a slow temperature like 225 degrees somewhere in that range until it hits about 110 120 internal and then a really hot cast iron pan with with beef tallow and then i sear it
0: on the outside but uh, what do you but you're not talking sous vide like what are you doing to get it up to that initial temp
2: I just with the Argentine grill, I haven't. Oh, it cranked. oh, oh so you, okay, I, keep I got you. it at you. 225. I got you. Yeah. you know, so, so I, you're yeah. indirect,
0: but monitoring the temperature in the thing. Yeah. That's what's
2: very nice about the Traeger, because uh, it's very, uh, very like you could set, you set 225, it gives you 225. Yeah, like it's going to keep it there. It's really good at that. Yep. Um, you could do that with the with an Argentine grill or a smoker. Just a little bit more fiddling around with it. Um, and then, you know, so that slow cook to get it up to like 110, 120, and then searing it. That's my favorite. But I also like to, you know, cook things like stir fry things with eggs. I like to do that. That's what I'll do with like ground elk. But I feed a lot of ground elk to my dog. That's, uh, it's really like dog food is like what are you feeding your dog like what's in that like do you have any idea like Mm -hmm. it's like if you love your dog like would you give your friend that like what's in there like so even if you buy expensive dog food i'm always like what's how i i never investigated i've never gone to a dog food plant and see how they put it together i'm sure i'd be horrified but what i know is the difference between the way he reacts when i put dog food down and the way he reacts when i put ground elk down he goes bonkers. I mean, it's not like you can't stop eating. He just,
0: <laughs> he, he just dives into the food. So, you know, a thing, a thing we do with, uh, I don't even want to call it my dog my wife kid's dog
2: you don't like dogs <laughs> i think that's so weird that you don't like dogs how could you how could you not like those two cute I don't, cute little dogs uh, that I, are hanging I can tell around you here. real
0: quickly it's not that i don't like them i just don't understand what they do all day like what <laughs> what because a coyote, how inefficient okay, a coyote wakes <laughs> oh up in the morning God. a coyote wakes Sliders. up in the morning a fox wakes up in the morning a wolf wakes up in the morning uh-huh. some bitch has shit on his agenda yeah because they have to because they're a feral. dog i come home and i'm like yeah, I'd come home, the dog. I was like, what have you been doing all day? He didn't have to do things. <laughs> just just chilling. It's just like the only thing in the house that doesn't have a, uh, well, you they, know, if we take it to do stuff, then it, then I'm like, okay. Like when we take the dog out, you know, I, I get it. I go, okay, he's up to something. What?
3: <laughs> have you tried leaving him a list?
0: No. Ah! no. It's not that I don't like it. My, <laughs> listen, my kids, love, they, they, my kids like the dog more than they like me. It brings endless joy to the world. <laughs> All that I told uh, him, I said, "Listen, that dog so isn't gonna jealous. last that long." Oh but- my
2: God! Don't tell him that,
0: <laughs> Jesus Christ! But anyways, I, here's why. The, here's why I'm actually nicer to the dog than anyone else is. I, anytime I braise something uh, or any kind of boiled stuff, I save just the jugs of the liquid, and you, I put and I put a couple slugs of that boiled meat water, are you wanna call it, that dog, it turns that dog's attitude around about anything in its bowl. And oh, if, I'm, yeah. if I'm home and I'm every day dosing its food, whatever, like uh, enhancing its food mm. with that boiled meat liquor, it'll, uh, if I'm not there, it won't touch its food. It'll, wow. it'll it'll starve itself into eventually wanting to approach that food again. Wow. But then like, do you ask me, Like, you like liver a lot? Yeah. I'll eat liver on young animals. Our old stuff, uh, I chop it, boil it. Dog loves it, and we well, had we had someone on the show recently explaining it. What are they talking about? All their lungs, all their kidneys. What else?
1: All the parts. They make basically. Uh, they,
0: they, dog food. They make their own dog food. That's out a of all great idea. Lungs because and everything, man. My
2: dog re- reacts to liver like exponentially more than he reacts to even ground elk liver is the king with him. Yep. If I give him a piece of liver like the just the desire in his eyes. He sits <laughs> staring at me. And my dog is like the furthest from like a killer. That you could have, he's a golden retriever. He's just a big love sponge. You know, he's the best. <laughs> but like If he, well, he's a killer of squirrels. I'll tell you that, that's his number one job. Like he just goes out and tries to kill squirrels and he only gets one like every four or five months. Like every four or five months, he'll get a squirrel. (laughs) One time I came home from work, it was funny. I came home, uh, I let him outside and I opened up the door and I took a leak. And uh, in the time it took me to take a leak, I come out and he's standing there with a squirrel in his mouth. Like, look what I got. And it just like recently dead squirrel um, and i i don't know i'm kind of conflicted i'm like i don't know i don't want to cook it and eat it because it's his and i don't want him to eat it because i don't you know i'm like all right let's uh let's take that from you buddy <laughs> you have to boil it up for him. <laughs> he wanted to he wanted me to know you know but other than that you know it's not like he's out there like taking down well he actually did chase a deer we had two deer in my yard and uh, I've never seen him chase after anything like he chased after these deer. The fact that he can differentiate between a deer and any other four legged animal, like a dog who is his friend. Like, if he saw a dog, he'd be like, hello, dog, you're my friend. Yep. But those deer, he was like full clip chasing after me. He, he actually uh, chased him into the neighbor's yard and it became a big
0: hullabaloo. Our. Uh our dog chases deer, but it got the shit kicked out of it by turkeys a couple times. And now, <laughs> like if that dog's doing something bad and I look at it, it'll look the other way. Like it's like, it thinks that if I'm, if it doesn't make eye contact with me, it'll be like better. And when there's turkeys around in the yard, that dog kind of like, it <laughs> tries to look, look to at him and tries to act like it's not looking at him. It looks at the turkeys out the corner of its eyes. He's like, fuck them turkeys. Like
2: a bully at the bus stop. There's like, something tells me I
0: should chase him. But geez, those things. Oh yeah. Do you, uh, do you do uh, big bones, big game bones for your dog? Um, I did this year. This year,
2: um, I, I did. Uh, I have uh, a lot of elk bone marrow that I can't wait to. Get, that I actually just got back. We chopped him up, and uh, y- you met Ryan. That was uh, at the uh, yep. when he was ha- helped me hang up the skulls and stuff like that. He delivered it to me, so I'm I'm gonna give it to him. But we made a mistake of I didn't know that you're not supposed to give a dog a bone once that bone has been baked. Yeah, splinters. Well, yeah, yeah, I know because
0: they, they they demolish it. I got and in they a bunch
2: swallow of, it and it, it jams up their intestinal tract. Well,
0: yeah, I got in a bunch of trouble about that shit. So with my family because she'd like got sick, was vomiting up little bone shards yeah, same and shit with, like that. same with
2: me, yeah.
0: So now, like, if, if I hand that dog a bone, she immediately goes to the door. Like mm. She's got in her head like, I gotta get away before someone takes it from me. Oh. And she'll sit oh, yeah, there a while, and she'll tip. eventually be like, fuck it. And she'll go under the table to eat the bone. So now when I give her a bone, I tell the kids, like, I'm gonna give the dog a bone. It's your job to take it away from it before mm. it, and it gets the good pieces off But before she starts just consuming bone fragments. So you still give her bones that have been cooked? Only under supervised circumstances. Yeah, I won't Mm. even
2: mess with it anymore because I think even under supervised circumstances, if they break a piece off and swallow it, you're not going to be able to stop that from happening. You should only give them raw bones. Yeah. I I learned that out the hard way. But uh, thankfully, he's okay. But yeah, um, I'm doing uh, bone marrow this year, which I'm really excited about.
0: For the dog or for
2: you? For me. Oh the yeah. El Camero. Yeah. I love it, Yeah,
3: man. is amazing. Like if you can put those bo- the bigger bones, put them in a vise mm. and then take a saw down, yeah, and then build up a big coal bed and then just drop them, cut side up, right in the coals, mm. and like roast them in the bones and just salt on top of that is phenomenal. Yeah,
0: it's great. I lo- like. We'll even take a bandsaw or a. Um, you know, I have a I have a Milwaukee. Uh, they call them a portable Band, like a portable bandsaw. Mm. And I like to. It's clean. I you might you might not like this idea. It's clean, but I freeze them. Yeah. And then cut them frozen because it's just so clean that way. Mm. Cut them frozen, and then I put the little. I just lay them on a. You can throw them in the oven on a cookie sheet or do like you're talking about. And I, lay, you're I, about I take
3: doing cross cut or the cross. No, no yeah. cross cut, not yeah.
0: boats. Yeah. Cro- little discs. Yeah. And then, if you're feeling real sexy, I'll take a little sprig of uh, a little sprig of thyme and make it like a little tree growing out of A Little tweezers. Oh, a little tree growing out. So of it's got a little there. tree growing out of it. <laughs> and then you yeah. put some salt on that shit. It's good. Yeah.
2: So to answer your question, I have some of the bones for him, some of the bones for me. The ones where it doesn't look like I'm going to get much marrow out of them. You know, little skinny leg portions. Let me give those to him.
0: Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off, plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com. Use code MEATEATER at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. Get incredible deals on premium cuts from ButcherBox. Do you like free protein for a whole year? Well, deals this good are hard to come by at the grocery store. You'll get exclusive deals as a member, too. Sign up at ButcherBox.com slash MeatEater and get our special deal. ButcherBox is offering our listeners a free-for-a-year offer plus an additional $20 off. Choose salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips free and every order for a year. So every box you get has that in it free for a year. Sign up today at ButcherBox.com slash MeatEater. Make sure you use code eater to choose your free-for-a-year offer, plus $20 off your first order. Family school on game. They love it, yeah. But my kids have
2: been eating wild game for, I mean, I started hunting with you 10 years ago.
0: Oh, so they never had to go through the, like, it's just normal to them. Just normal to them. Yeah,
2: Yeah, I mean, my one daughter was four, and my other one was two at the time, so you know like uh, it was never really, had to talk about it no she she used to love telling her friends that her favorite thing to eat was bear because <laughs> uh i i use your recipe
0: of bear candy oh yeah yeah which the, was the, which really good inspired off of uh pf chang's mongolian beef oh my god
2: <laughs> it was so delicious it was so delicious, and we cooked it over rice. Uh, you know, I served it rather over rice. I haven't made that in a while; I kind of forgot. About it that was dish, so you know. good, and they, it was their favorite thing ever. They loved it, but obviously, it's very sweet. You know, yeah. the sugar involved in it. But you know, so when they told their friends at school, like, "You should have seen my friend's face," they're like, "What's your favorite thing, to eat? I like bear. and They're like
1: that kid's
2: house
0: I, I love it i remember one time when uh we were living in seattle and i sent my kid down to school with a muskox sandwich and i remember saying <laughs> 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 he was too young to like get him i'm like i will tell you one thing i guarantee has never happened is no one's ever brought a muskox sandwich down to your school <laughs> that you can bet on i mean out of all the things you can bet on that you can bet
2: on but what a crazy animal that is I mean, that's, that's another animal that I feel like if you hunted that sucker with a bow, you better keep an eye on it. You're mm-hmm. not going to find any blood. How, how's it even going to drip any blood out of all that crazy fur?
0: The upside is there's no vegetation. Right. I mean, there's vegetation, but it's ankle high. And their, their impulse isn't to haul ass. Mm. They're in, it'd be more like, if you you know we were talking about yesterday? If you, uh, you know, don't, don't think we're rustlers, but we were musing about if you arrowed a cow.
2: Right, right, right. Yeah, it's, They would
0: just lay down. Like it'd be a while, but it, you don't got where you're probably gonna find it.
2: Yeah, 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 yeah. It'll
0: be it'll go over and stand over there. You yeah, know?
2: And, and with the muskox, you're dealing with a white surface too.
0: Yeah, it's just like nice. you know, they can go hundreds of yards, and I'll just be standing here watching it. Uh, yeah, that was a good time. And, and there's a when I hunted muskox um, on I did it one time where I drew a tag to hunt muskox on Nunavak Island. Uh, with the Chupic Eskimo, and I always like to point out that when they're butchering the muskox, they will say, "This is a good part; it's chewy, huh?" And where I was like, "This is a good part; it's tender." Yeah, they like the. They're like, "Oh, I like the neck because it's chewy." Have you ever seen where anthropologists break down
2: and biologists break down the the problems that people are having with their jaws and their teeth? and crowding of teeth and the the diminishing of size of the lower jaw no who is not not, not weston Weston
3: price was the the dentist in the early uh, 20th century went around and documented native peoples around the world and they're i mean the healthiest ones were the ones eating like high meat diets followed by high fish diets and then it just went
2: yeah but it's not just health it's actually the physical shape of the jaw
3: right but it It, it was was attributed like general health started i mean his whole thing was started with the jaw and your shape of the teeth oh
2: so chewing tough meat was always a part of humans and that's the reason why we look at like a robust square jaw as being something that's that's attractive genetically that's someone who's had good meat.
0: Yeah, you know mm-hmm. you've been doing a lot of You've
2: dog. been chewing. Now, if you look at people that live in areas where they eat a lot of porridge and a lot of like mush, they they develop fucked up teeth and they have like these little tiny ass jaws. And that's malnutrition. And it's it's also uh, attributed to uh, this notion that your jaw develops in accordance to the amount of meat that you have to break yeah, down how many times I have
0: you heard he's got a good strong jaw yeah <laughs> yeah isn't that funny yeah. but that's, that's funny. what that's no, I've never heard that huh. i love it though man
2: yeah and there's a guy named Mew, um uh i forget his last name his first name rather but his last name is Mew, and he's a dentist and he was trying to figure out I believe he's a dentist but he's a doctor. He's trying to figure out like what is causing this um, grouping of teeth, like to be smashed in together and all, all fucked up and what is causing them. And is there a way to mitigate that? And so he developed a a method called mewing. And this method is where you're like literally pressing your tongue down. I don't, I don't know what the method is um, exactly. I've never tried it, but uh, this, uh, this, there's a lot of people that have actually changed the shape of their jaw through mewing because it turns out your really? yeah your jaw is actually something that can be manipulated it's not like all the other bones like uh, you you can bite this method there's like before and afters where people can like make their teeth more spaced out his idea was like this thing of like just use braces and like why why is it happening i want to know why is it happening why are the teeth bunching up and his belief is that they're bunching up because people don't have access to like difficult things to chew where the the jaw gets like more robust Hmm. and one thing you'll notice with weightlifters too um and and people who clamp down on mouthpieces a lot like over the course of time they will develop a thicker jaw like it's, it's something that That's that great. happens to you from like if you think about it like a lot of people lift weights with um mouthpieces um it's a really good
0: idea actually I, in I, order I to able de- to so you're not wearing your teeth so bad you
2: develop microfractures. i had my i have microfractures on almost 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 all my teeth yeah,
0: when i used to when i used to booze it up too much partying um, that was one of the things is the micro fractures in my teeth because I clench my jaw at night.
2: Uh, that's such a weird thing,
0: when you're boozing. Oh, I'll clench it so hard my it'll hurt.
2: So um, these weightlifters that do that that like bite down on mouthpieces it actually makes your jaw thicker and stronger to the point where there's a product that you can buy. I actually have it. it's called or Size. And it looks like uh, like a golf ball, maybe with like two divots in it where your teeth slide in. And you put it in your mouth and it's weightlifting for your mouth. So you put this thing in and you go like this and you're crunching down on this rubber ball. No oh, shit. Yeah. Yeah. It's so it's like you can go work shows. your
0: abs, glutes, mm-hmm. and your jaw, jaw <laughs> and it makes your
2: jaw muscles stronger, which would be really good for a fighter. Because like part of the problem is the jaw being dislocated and moved. It, it 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 it's like you. That's one of the ways you get knocked out. You get hit on the jaw, and if your jaw is more sturdy and there's more muscle there, it oh, might shit. prevent you from certain knockouts.
0: When yeah, uh, protect you rather. So if you're if you if a fellow's doing that, you put that in, and it's like you're gonna spend ten minutes or whatever, mm-hmm. just. Yeah, you would do it like,
2: you know, you do sit-ups in the morning, do your jaw. Do sit-ups, work your jaw muscles, do your chin-ups, do your push-ups, do your calisthenics, whatever you do, and also do your jaw. And there's there's befores and afters. What's that? A ball ball gag gag count? No, a ball gag (laughs) is the opposite (laughs)
0: because it's like you're not. That's why Jesse's got that big beard. He's trying to hide how (laughs) he's trying to hide how jacked his jaw is. Everybody's gonna think he's been messing with that ball (laughs) gag. It's a fun, (laughs) funny thing. The desire for a square jaw, but
2: it's it. uh, They believe it really has to do with people not eating tough meat anymore. Because, you know, primarily our diets at one point in time where when we were hunter and gatherers, if you were successful, your diet was meat. If you were unsuccessful, your diet was bullshit. You know, like you just were surviving on, you know, whatever little berries and shit you could eat and you didn't have strong jaw muscles. Um, Makes sense, right? Totally, yeah. Makes you want to
1: go chew on like a...
2: Did you get you one know, of those like size things?
0: No, no, I
1: got you a thing know, I like wanted to mention.
2: <laughs> get one of them Jawser size things. Yeah. It's
0: really cool. Here here I forgot there's a thing I wanted to mention, which is the the coolest word. Then we gotta cut some deer up and we got a long drive, yep. right? But uh Joe, you remember me telling you the other day when I was on your show, I was telling you about the book I'm reading about the guy that traveled with the, the, the guy that was assigned to the Blackfeet. Yes. by the Hudson Bay Company. Yeah. Uh, I'm probably gonna hit people with a million tidbits out of this book because it's fascinating. The word, their word, for a moose, which is somewhat of a rarity in their area, their word for a moose, six ciso, six ciso. Mm. I'm not pronouncing it right. I'm sure six ciso, phonetic. Um, black going out of sight.
1: Mm. Hmm, that's so poetic.
0: Yeah, mm. like a big black rump
2: going out of sight vanishes
0: uh. into the willow. Black going out of sight. Shit is so good, man. I that heard a word. Cool. There's a there's a native word. I don't I do not know what tribe. There's a Native American word they called the bitterroot. So they were west of the bitterroot. So they were in the Pacific drainage. The continental the the, the continental divide the other side of that was the land or like the place beyond which there are no salmon. Oh. Yeah. Wow. You have the place of salmon and you have the place of no salmon. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it's all you need to know. <laughs> Did you got me into, I went on
2: a kick a couple years back of like multiple books on native Americans. Um, because I read uh, Empire of the Summer Moon yeah. and I told you about it, and you're like, well, that's good, but have you read this? <laughs> and then you turn me on to uh, Son of the Morning Star. Son of the
0: Morning Star. Ooh.
2: Oh my God, those books are so heavy. And it, when you read those books, and, and then um, uh, Black Elk Speaks mm-hmm. is another great one. Yeah. You read those books and you just imagine the hard Scrabble life. The difficulty those people face, the horrors, the hardships. It's just it's amazing how that wasn't that long ago, but how soft we are now. Yeah. We are so different. We are we're almost complete if you look at Sam Bankman Freed and then imagine him surviving on the plains with the Comanches <laughs> <laughs> that he's might well he, we can't figure basically Almeida was moving and he's on amphetamines and he weighs eight pounds. And he's basically made out of the same texture of so whatever his tissue is like a jelly donut type. It's like texture. if you boil a
0: moose joint. Yeah. If you boil a moose joint and then grab a handful of the stuff yes. that comes off.
2: <laughs> that's a perfect that's a perfect description. He's mush. Um and his jaw is non existent. I mean, right? Like that's, that's what a human is. Like one of the most, until this Ponzi scheme fell apart, one of the most successful humans amongst us, right? Mm. And Number two donor to the democratic party. Like that, that's a, that's a Hume, a 30 year old robust in his prime male human being of 2022.
1: Such a good metaphor. There's, yeah. a lot of,
0: there's a lot of candidates thinking like, not going to be getting that check again. Yeah, that's a wrap. <laughs> we're going to have to fund ourselves through honest living.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it's, 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 but it's, it's amazing how quickly the world has changed and how quickly life has changed. And that you know, what we're doing you know with this, I mean, we're doing a modern version of hunter-gatherer, right? The modern version is so much easier. Like what I was saying, like about bow hunting, that it's it, b- rifle hunting is more effective. It's probably more ethical in that there's less of a likelihood of injuring an animal, particularly if you're in a closer distance and you're proficient. It's easier to achieve proficiency, I think. Uh, although still very difficult. No, make no mistake about it. Like, and I think also let me just say this that. Rifle hunting on public land is probably more more difficult than doing the kind of bow hunting that I enjoy. Because bow hunting on private land, you have more opportunities. These are more um, really wild animals in the sense that they're not pressured and they're not accustomed to being chased by human beings because there's much less of them. Oh, yeah. Much different. Uh, Public land it's There's a thing, I mean, I I admire the people that are very successful on public land. And I admire that attitude that like, hey, you know, I got this done on public land. What bothers me is these animals are unnaturally pressured by swarms of people who go out there at a specific time of the year. I'm like, is that normal? Is that like, they're not, they're wild, right? But they're wild in this very strange sense, where they're just constantly being fucked with by people, mm-hmm. and they don't bugle anymore, and they kind of they're like kind of hiding, and it's just a totally different experience than if you were like Lewis and Clark, and you were making your way across the country, and you encountered uh, like a, a herd of elk. It, I what I would give to be around back then, just to see what it was like. What was it like before there were cities? Before there was, you know, any sort of wildlife management? Just what was it like? I mean, it was, and again, not that long ago—just
0: a few hundred years ago. Uh, it, there's a a, a couple of great books to understand that. Mm. Uh, Osborne Russell's journal, Journal of a Trapper, whatever, whatever the hell. Osborne Russell's journal, which is so a lot of times there's a lot to eat and a lot of times there ain't shit to eat oh
2: yeah I there's, even that, there's that. a book
0: land of feast and famine it was mm. about like in, in the 1930s living off the land in canada it's like sometimes you can't there's so much you can't even process at all right and, and a lot of times you're screwed
2: well that's also why a lot of those plains indians they would find these massive herds of buffalo it's like look guys fuck stay and put where they go we go yeah <laughs> Let's we'll just keep moving and yep. and
0: fall behind. Once you that. had the horse, you can do it.
2: But what we're doing with this modern version of uh, hunting and gathering is uh, again what I said about like it opening up that door in your brain. It is beyond. It's the most satisfying way to acquire protein and to get meat and to feed your family. It's the best food that I've ever eaten, it, c- certainly in terms of nutrition. But even in terms of like taste, I absolutely prefer it to everything else. And you know, you and you bringing me into that has completely changed my life. And it's been ten years now um, since that first hunt that we went on. You know, that was uh, that was ten years ago this year, and it changed every. It was like ten years ago, two months ago.
0: Well, you in, you uh, introduced me to the idea of doing a podcast, so we're even. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm glad you do because I like listening to it. But um,
2: yeah, you know, again, it's like I'm very well. I'm very aware of even though uh, compared to like a Sam Bank, Bankman-Fried, I'm like a completely different kind of man. But compared to the the people that actually made their way across this country and people that like, whether it's the Plains Indians or the settlers, people that were trying to hunt and gather in a time where you didn't have Onyx maps, Mm -hmm. you didn't have, you know, you didn't have GPS tracking and bow sites that ranged for you. And you know, it's what it's, it's just amazing how far things have changed and how much things have changed. And I don't know if it's for the better or for the worse, but I know that for my life, if I can in, the more I can introduce of being embedded into actual wild nature, the better I feel.
0: Yeah, I don't think and I've never thought that I'm approximating a a actual hunter gather experience. Uh, as lived by hunter gatherers that were pre market environment, like mm. like like self like sure people that were in a self contained economy. However, it's like I do an active I, I engage in an activity, and I engage in a dietary practice that has overlap, and my understanding of what I'm doing is very heavily exp- is very heavily influenced by or enhanced by an understanding of how people did it but i don't i don't equate them right you know i i could read all day about um ancestral hunter gathers like and 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 i'll learn things that, that make my experience better but i'm not i don't i'm not learning tips and tricks of course i'm learning that a way to think about a moose okay or it just, it's like a way to think about a moose, like our, our, the word moose, I don't know what that means. M-O-O-S-E. Like, I don't know. To think about the experience of of a word, that means black going out of sight. I'm like, fuck, that's good. <laughs> you know, it's just, it's, it's just, it, it enhances like that bit of knowledge. I'll never live as the person that had that language. I'll never know what language meant to them. I'll never know what they felt when they saw a moose. But like, that enhances my experience. But one
2: thing that you 100% are doing is you are letting more people become aware of the benefits of eating that kind of food and living that kind of life and experiencing hunting in a modern context. Mm-hmm. And that that's it's it's fascinating to see that there has been a resurgence in hunting over the last few years. It's it's quite a bit of a resurgence. And I think there was also a resurgence during the pandemic that was uh a lot of people recognizing like, hey, uh, this whole supply chain thing, and this is not as robust as I thought. Mm-hmm. This is not as stable as I thought. Maybe it'd be a good idea to at least have some understanding of how to acquire food in in the wild. Uh, but I'm I'm happy that there are so many people that are experiencing that. But for the people that are doing it and they're doing it on public land, they're also realizing, well, boy, this has uh, really ramped up the amount of people that are interested in doing this and it's made it, this thing that you enjoy doing, so much more popular. And that means there's much more pressure. That means, so there's pros and cons to it.
0: Yeah, changing practices, everything.
2: Yeah, yeah. but in my, my take on that is like, I want more people to know about it. Is it going to cause problems? Yes, but it's gonna cause a lot less problems than if they take it away. And if less people do it, the more likely that it gets taken away, that the probability of that becomes higher and higher. And that, that scares the shit out of me because I've had conversations with ele- educated, intelligent people, and they were like, w- no one needs to hunt today. And, and I'm like, you, don't, you really have no idea what you're saying. And you, you have no idea where this, this train of thought goes and you, you have no idea why it would be satisfying to those people and I guarantee you, if you went and you experienced it, if you're a meat eater and you say this, this is a foolish notion that no one needs to hunt today. No one needs to hunt, you're right, you can go to the grocery store, but to say no one needs to hunt like you should stop, you don't know what you're talking about.
0: Yeah, I'd even argue that, man. Like needs, uh, I don't, I, I guess. Needs the, is a weird word. Yeah, it is hard. because. But they say it like you shouldn't yeah. do it. It'll never happen in my lifetime. I sure as shit hope it don't, and I don't even know when I would hit the threshold. But if I had to, um, if I lost faith in how the regulatory structure, if I lost faith in how the regulatory structure is laid out, like right now in the United States of America, across all 50 state game and fish agencies, a, a couple played like California, I'm beginning to have questions about Washington State. I'm beginning to have questions about but when I look at Jerry, I'm like, I'm, Jerry, I'm on board with wildlife management. Absolutely. I'm an advocate of it, the models we have. Um, it, as long as you're like, we wanna have sustainable populations of wild game that can support limited harvest, and we're gonna help and regulate our citizens who wanna participate in that harvest. Like, great. great. If you do that and you say that there's no, uh, th- there's no elk tags this year or elk tags are lower this year, and I can see that why that's the case, and like numbers are down twenty percent, and here's the factors. I'm like, okay, cool. Totally on board. As long as it's managed by wildlife biologists. They I promise can picture- they're letting
2: people vote on this stuff. Yep. That's what gets crazy. And that's what happened in Vancouver when they got rid of the grizzly hunt. You're letting people vote on it that have zero experience with grizzlies and they're not wildlife biologists. They don't know what they're voting on. They just don't want bears to die. So they're like, yeah, let's stop bears from dying. And so they vote on The, the idea that a, a person who's uninformed, who just happens to be of voting age, can change wildlife management practices, that's insane. And that should be separate. You should not be able to vote for that. You should be able to vote for, if you think that the wildlife biologists are doing a bad job and the, the organization is doing a bad job, you should vote for politicians that want to hire better people and do a better job and, fi- and fix it and make it more, uh, more science-based but there's a lot of places where they're acting entirely on the
0: whim of the public that are loathsomely uninformed. Yeah. I would like, I hope it doesn't happen. I don't think it'll happen in my lifetime, but I could picture becoming like a, I, I could picture rather than quit hunting. I'd become a vigilante hunter. Like the punisher. No, like, uh, like <laughs> with an elk skull <laughs> in your shirt. No, like the people that continued to drink during prohibition. Yeah. Right. If I was like, this is, you know, it's misguided, it's a mistake, it's not coming from the right place, I guess I'm going to be the kind of person that that made wine in their own bathtub during the prohibition.
2: Yeah, that's when we vote in Ted Nugent for president. That's when we go, listen... (laughs)
3: <laughs> recruitment that's why <laughs> recruitment is so important it's like right now well you, what
2: you're you doing is someone. fantastic
3: well i mean hunters too it's right
2: like, but what you're doing jesse's fantastic because you actually teach people
0: no the best thing man the best thing is that is that you're not ne- like it's never like you're not gonna if if we go by demo- like sort of like a very rough understanding of democracy where it's like 50 50 right it's not that it's not that you need hunters to win legislative battles you need you, that because that's it's not going to be like all the hunters versus everybody else because even in the best case scenario you're going to lose 80 percent to 20 percent it's the people that don't hunt what do they think about it right well a lot of people that
3: that might hunt especially in, in this state in particular they might go hunt once But then you've they've opened the door and they've gone into the room that you were talking about earlier, and then now they see that, and then they tell other people, and it's like that's how that's they're less likely to
0: bone you on the referendum. It's like
3: wait a minute, you know what? I used to think that hunting was un or unnecessary, but then I know someone went and did it had the opportunity they never would have had that opportunity before and then that's how you're going to change the minds i think it's mm. just through i mean because it's just education
0: yeah like I've, I've served a lot of bear meat to a lot of people that will never hunt a bear they'll never hunt anything i like to think i like to hope that they're sitting there and they go down to the vote or they're filling out their shit at their kitchen table and they get to some part about well it would you know ban the ability to hunt bears and you're looking at some shit about whether or not you should vote for some judge you never heard of before and like how you feel about the millages increase even though you don't have any kids in school and you're like ah, i feel like i should say yeah but i don't have any kids in school and then you get down to the yeah. one about some shit about banning bear hunting i like to think they'd go like ah fuck i'm gonna put down no hunters are cool
2: well i think it's interesting <laughs> what's know? happening in new jersey you know they brought it back they brought it back that guy ran on the premise that's part of what he was running on I'm the band the bear hunt that was part of his platform
0: yeah uh better education uh no bear hunting but the <laughs> human talk bear, about that
2: shit. human bear interactions went up 200 percent they short they just extended, short they just of extended time.
0: the season good I was gunning for that guy and he was one of, uh, like I was like if I could if I could get one if I could make one politician be voted out of office, I had it in my head it was gonna be that Murphy. That is the one of the most foolish things a governor has ever done.
2: Because there's, is, are there more black bears per capita in New Jersey yeah. than anywhere else in the state or in the
0: states? Not, I'm not sure about that. But I they think got a that's pile true, and it was. They got a pile they, of them, and they totally screwed with their bear hunters, and they would make the bear hunters go and check their bears at public places
2: so that people would freak out so that you could make a media
0: spectacle like when you go to check a bear like montana for instance I've well you check a sheep in alaska you check a bear in montana you go to fish and game you go inside you notify someone that you have a bear to check they have you drive around back you go into the uh, structure a garage whatever the hell it is and you privately conduct the investigation in new jersey they're like Hear ye, hear ye, <laughs> all bear hunters will be bringing their bears down to SX rest area. Mm. Come on down and
1: do people come protest on down it? And,
0: Oh, yeah, they made it like a nightmare. God, it's so those people are so it's like dumb. mandatory checking, but they turned it into like a media spectacle it's and in and like vict- and, and turned everybody into villains, anyways. He's this, we, we got to end up because I know everybody's got to go, but I'll end on this. Murphy's yet another politician. Ran on that bear stuff. He's got another top politician that got busted maskless with a bunch of people in a restaurant. Yeah. Uh-huh. you see that video? The woman's got a camera on him. She no. comes out to him. <laughs> it's a great quote. Murphy, you're such a dick. That's funny. <laughs> and he's like hanging out with everybody with no mask. And like, meanwhile, everybody else is supposed to be. Mask up. Mask Murphy, up and save such the bear. you're a dick. <laughs> I do not condone going up to people and like cramming a camera in your face. Like it's bad. Like don't do it. But I just thought that was a funny like opening line of that. That (laughs) And I thought she was talking about the. I thought she was talking about the bear hunt, but she was in fact talking about the. uh, She was talking about the masking. But they got it. Florida had a bear hunt. Uh, It went way better than expected. They had a quote. It's like it's crazy. They made a quota they hit the quota really fast i would be like oh if you hit the quota really fast you must have a lot more bears than you thought but then it wound up being bad that they hit the quota it's like we hit the quota fast no more bear hunts ever because everybody's astounded that they hit the quota so fast
2: yeah, I didn't understand that. They
0: kill blank thousand bales a bear dying per second. Or, that's you know, all the
2: dummies moving from New York to Florida.
0: Yeah, because they want to save on taxes. <laughs> well, it's that, and it's also
2: like the COVID regulations. There's a lot of people that were very upset no, with the way New York was running point.
0: things. That's a good point. I'm a big Florida fan, man. I, don't, I would never hack on Florida. But I'd hack on how they handle that damn bear hunt. Yeah. Well, get DeSantis on the podcast. Bring that up to him. Funny? bro, oh, I told you. That's my, yeah. that's my life's goal. Funny. <laughs> Interesting <laughs> that you brought that up. That's my life's goal. Uh, all right, guys. We got to go. What time is it? Yep. Yeah. Got to wrap. Got to cut a couple deer up. Thank you very much, Joe. Thanks for having me. And thank you, Jesse, for all the great cooking. Dude, you're such a good oh cook, my man. Oh, my God. That like, curry last night chef was insane. Shit, man. You're
3: a good cook. Thanks, man. I like that. That's, that, that is like that's a great compliment. Like a I whole
2: like
0: that. a cook, cooking yeah, for man. your friends, man. Yeah, that curry last night was insane. Was so good. The only uh, thing I can do better than you is make a tongue. And the oh. duck. That,
1: don't. <laughs> uh, we went off argument. on the duck earlier. The
0: duck was <laughs> we amazing. The duck yeah. was amazing. He's a better, Thank you. You Thank cook you. way better All everything than right. me, and I'm, someday I'm going to show you how to handle a beef tongue. There you go. That's very kind. I appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks. This show is sponsored in part by BetterHelp. It is a simple truth. No matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you and how you manage them can make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that they need and that meets them where they are and helps them get through challenges. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, it's simple to use, you can connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's Better H-E-L-P.com. You never want to find yourself out on the water fishing without your essentials. So it's best to always pack a Columbia PFG Solar Stream Elite hoodie to protect against the sun. Man, I was just in Hawaii and I had my Columbia PFG Solar Stream Elite hoodie with me.